Let's pray. Gracious God, on this day, as we count our blessings and give thanks for our loved ones and for the many patriots who have gone before us, let us count among our blessings a God who regards us with grace and and tenderness, who offers to exchange God's very life and its lightness and joy with the life that we live that is often heavy and broken. Thank you that you are with us in the midst of this life and this world. In your name we pray, amen. Back in the day, increasingly distant day in the receding past, when I was a youth pastor, I led a week-long trip to Chicago working uh, with Habitat for Humanity. So we headed off in a van full of, uh, I believe it was eight youth and then five adults to a neighborhood on the west side of Chicago that was virtually all African American. We stayed at North Park College where, uh, where Nick uh, went to school on the north side, but we commuted to the west side. My church group, uh, all 13, 14 of us, were 100% Caucasian, by the way, and we stuck out just a little bit in that neighborhood. Our job was to refurbish a previously uninhabitable old home. The first day we worked, all eyes were on us. Unemployment was very high in this neighborhood, so as we worked, as we arrived for the day, there were many adults just sitting on their front porches and doorsteps during the day, and they just remained there watching us. Now, we didn't know what they were thinking. Were we welcome? First thing on the second day, seven-year-old Jimmy showed up, ready to go to work with us, hammer in hand, and he had already... Uh, donned one of our required construction hard hats that nearly engulfed his little head. Uh, Jimmy lived across the street from where we worked, and he was now the unofficial neighborhood ambassador. He helped us some, got in the way a little bit more, ate lunch with us, played with us. He was having the time of his life. Now, I don't know what sorts of things he had been taught about white people. I only hope they weren't, uh, they weren't as bad as the things that many, at least in the white community, teach their children about African Americans. Regardless, Jimmy was thoroughly enjoying his new friends, and in the process, um, a wall was coming down between us before our very eyes. A few days later, uh, more children from the neighborhood put on hard hats and helped us, played with us, ate lunch with us, and got in our way. But I have to tell you, it was a pure joy for us. And soon thereafter, the adults sitting across the street on their doorsteps were inviting us into their homes to share stories about their lives and to hear ours. 
Why do I tell this story? Because when we live tribally, as many of us do, it's kind of our culture, when white people of privilege are isolated from those of the rest of the human family, we carry a burden. The burden of disconnection, of suspicion, and sometimes self-righteous delusion. The hospitality that we experienced in that neighborhood gave us a glimpse of the kingdom of God envisioned and embodied in one Jesus of Nazareth, who repeatedly, time and again, broke down the walls that separated people in this world. In Christ, there is no slave or free, no Jew or Greek, no black or white. You know the verse. All about breaking down walls. So our foray into that neighborhood to do work was not only lightening the burden of those Chicago folks, we hoped, by sharing in their responsibility for their neighborhood, albeit in just the tiniest of ways, You see, God was also at work lightening our burden as well. The burden of living behind a wall that separates us and diminishes our humanity. And through the hospitality of those children, God broke down that wall, if only for a few days. Tribalism and fear are... This has to be named among the many burdens that we as humans carry. And God has something to say about that. Namely, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. On this patriotic uh, day, these words sound an awful lot like the iconic words on the Statue of Liberty, do they not? I think there's more than a little connection. These words are also beautifully captured in the Footprints parable that Allison noted. The God who invites us to find rest in Jesus. Not only are these words of Jesus a call to an inclusive community of shared humanity gathered all around Christ, and they are that. It doesn't stipulate whose burden is to be lifted. It's for all. It is also an invitation to recognize the burden that we carry when we are exclusive in the way that we function. Now, the word uh, yoke in this passage is a word from Jesus' time that referred specifically to a wooden collar used by people to carry water and other things. Jesus is using the term symbolically here, of course. And when Jesus uttered these words, he was kind of doing two things. He was, he was chastising the proud who would not see their own 
burdens, of course, who didn't have them and didn't need any help, thank you. And even more immediately, he was chastising, uh, no, he was not chastising, he was reaching out to the not-so-proud, the folks who knew a Savior when they saw one. And so, burdens got lifted in the presence of this man named Jesus. And the blind received sight, the lame walked again, the sick were cured, the guilty were forgiven, the unloved were loved, and the poor received good news. And maybe if some of the proud were listening carefully, they felt their burden being lifted as well. We too are among those who seek healing, love, forgiveness, and a new chance, are we not? And then there are the burdens that mask themselves as strength and privilege, spiritual blindness, the idolatry of comfortableness, and the sad isolation it creates, the delusion of self-righteousness, the myth and weight of the self-made man or woman, the burden of living a life seeking out only people who look and act like you. These burdens are just as heavy or heavier than the first list, and the tragedy is that the ones carrying them often don't know that they are. We talked precisely about that thing at our class on Wednesday, the faith practices class, and and, and the challenge of building bridges and knocking down walls with those around us. There was an urgent need felt among our participants. Now, all of the aforementioned burdens are the weight of our brokenness as human beings, a brokenness that expresses itself in, in, in manifold ways. We trust in the wrong things. We fail to love our neighbor, and so on and so on. And sometimes we can name our burdens. Sometimes we're in denial about them. Our yoke is heavy. Yet the God we worship has chosen to exchange yokes with us. God's yoke is the promise of life, of God's life, shared with you, a life filled with purpose, free of guilt, shame, loneliness, and despair. This is the life that is offered to you daily. And sometimes it's hard for us to take hold of it because we get distracted by other weights. It is light. It is shalom, a word that means life whole and complete. In return, Christ not only relieves us of our heavy yoke, Christ carries it for us and with us. Christ bears the weight of your broken lives. Sometimes it is the communal weight of tribalism, but often it is one's own life story and the heartache therein, what one has done and what one has failed to do. On our trip to Chicago, one day we served at a soup kitchen on the north side. It was there that I met Stephen Ojeda, a Hispanic man, one of many homeless people in that area. I saw Stephen sitting by himself, a man in his early 30s, perhaps. I walked up and sat down, introduced myself. 
he quickly expressed gratitude for those who ran the soup kitchen and for my group that was just helping out for that day. I could see that he wasn't taking anyone's help for granted. He seemed to be struggling with the fact that he, of all people, was eating at a soup kitchen. I knew then that I was not going to get a sob story. He was too proud for that. He told me about himself, how he had studied to be a chef, tried to live an upscale life in the nicer part of town, but then fell behind on his payments, lost his job, and in his own words, rejected materialism. We all get to shape our own life narrative any way we want. He rejected materialism. He was doing his best to put a positive spin on all this. And we talked about God and being ashamed of his present situation. And he assured me. And this always happens when people find out or know that you're a pastor. is a certain amount of posturing. But he assured me that he prayed every night and, and, and that as if, as if I would be surprised, he tried to love his neighbor. And I try to help the homeless whenever I can, he said. I assured him I wasn't there to judge him. I asked him if he had a place to stay. And now there was a lump in his throat. No, not, not at the moment. A park bench, a mattress in the alley. That was his home. But things were going to get better. He just knew it. And then he told me about his 13-year-old daughter who was going to a Catholic school, and he was so proud of her because she was so, such a good student uh, of the Bible. But then came the hard truth. His daughter lived in Indiana with, with her mother. His breakup with his wife had just been this past uh, year. His voice cracked again. I didn't even ask. But again, his optimism came through. I'll be a chef someday again. I'll make a comeback. And at that point, I promised him that God and Jesus Christ is, is now more present than ever with him and that he will always have help and a way forward. I introduced Stephen to my group and then said goodbye. God bless you, he said. God bless you, I said. I think the soup kitchen and conversation is the work of Christ. Lightening of burdens, just a bit of the many people who attend the soup kitchen, including the ones who serve. And I think there are surprising stories to be heard, stories where we recognize, wow, that, that, could, be, that could be me or you. We're all in this together. Just as Stephen was once on the other side of the track, so too are there many who have worked in food shelves and now come to the food shelves to receive food. This was a common occurrence in my, at my former congregation that worked with PRISM, a, a food shelf in Golden Valley, where many who came to receive food were ashamed of the fact that they once were volunteers at PRISM. Stephen clearly had heartaches and maybe a few regrets. How many of you have heartaches and regrets that weigh you down? Regrets that you carry around like a weight? Maybe Stephen is not so different from you 
And there are days you feel defeated and desperately need someone to carry your load for you so that you can run again. Of course, on this day, we're mindful of grief and, and the weight that that is. It's a heavy weight. Jesus says, whatever your weight is, let me carry it. Just let me carry it. Here, take my yoke instead. If you are guilty, I declare to you the forgiveness of your sins. If your shame, your self-image is bad and it's crushing you, I tell you that you are more worth to God than you can imagine. If you are disconnected from people, and people today are more disconnected than ever despite social media and all the ways that we connect with disconnection and the loneliness is there. Jesus says, I have knocked down walls to link you to community and to your human family. You are connected. If you are despairing, I offer you the hope of a meaningful future, partnering with me as we do God's work to bring about a more trustworthy and hopeful world. And finally, good people of Mount Carmel, I've heard a number of you at different times and persistently over the three years that I've known you. I've heard you speak of using our natural gifts here of hospitality, a big kitchen, and a fellowship hall to broaden our experience of the human family in Northeast Minneapolis. Is now a time to begin experimenting with expanding our meal fellowship Amen.